are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Open your Bibles now, please. Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23. But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well with you. Underscore in your Bible that word, Obey. And the three words, Obey my voice. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be of those they had none, though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the passion of this world passeth away. Underscore for the text, if you will, the time is short. In verse 29, I'm woefully conscious of time. I've always been. When I was a young preacher, starting out, I was conscious of all of the matters of time. It bothered me that time was wasted so often in the ministry. And so often in my ministry, I wasted time. I don't like to misuse time. Now, here's the text that says the time is short. There are so many things come out of that. For example, the time is short for suffering. I see this daily in the church. I see it all around in hospitals and homes, sanatoriums, everywhere. Physical suffering, mental suffering. And the mystery of suffering is always around us. And we wonder sometimes just why there is so much suffering on the part of people, and many of them are good people, God's people. The time is short. Again, the time is short for this matter of sorrow. Death is on every hand. It's everywhere. We see it on all occasions, everywhere. In Chattanooga, I average maybe three or at least three funeral services per week. And some of them quite tragic. And I have to tell the people, the time is short. Jesus is coming. We'll soon be with him. The other day he had a call. A father, a member of our church, had told his son one evening. He said, son, if you go in the next room, bring the electric fan in here. And the boy left the room, walked in, a little six-year-old boy, and picked up the electric fan, was disconnected, standing in the room, and brought it inside. Then his father said to him, said, son, would you mind connecting the fan since you have it there? Just plug it in, if you will, please. And the boy plugged it in. There came a flash. The boy was dead, electrocuted, six years old. I had the funeral service. The time is short for sorrow. Again, the time is short for separation. Some of us complain. Some people complain about the matter of separated life, coming out from among them and being separate, said the Lord. But the time is short. This is our business today to live for him, to set an example for others. Again, the time is short for service. The Bible says, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Be willing to serve. Be active in service. Be faithful in service. Again, the time is short for soul winning. This is our business. This is our work. He that wins the souls is wise. And the emphasis on soul winning. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, just constantly pressing the matter of getting people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had someone to walk the aisle of our church in every service, except one for 35 years. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night, with one exception, we missed on one Sunday night in 35 years. Someone has been saved, somebody's come forward. The time is short for soul winning. Again, the time is short for salvation. This is the time. Yesterday, we had a funeral service in our city. I went by the funeral home and could not get in at the time that I was there. I want to see the family. Little boy, 14 years old, passed away. 
He died on Sunday. Funeral service was on Monday. The boy attended Camp Joy two years ago. We have a camp for children, three. Don't charge him a penny. Three thousand per year go to the camp. And this boy got saved two years ago at the camp and went back and told his, told his family. And they rejoiced with him in all that happened. His salvation. But then he got sick a few days ago. And when he went to the hospital, one thing the mother said, I'm so glad my boy got saved at Camp Joy. The time is short. He passed away, funeral service yesterday, 14 years of age. Now, I can emphasize this for a long time. I give that by way of introduction. Now, the brief outline I want you to see tonight. I would emphasize the word time. First, there must be a time for listening. A time for listening. He that hath ears here, let him hear. It was Moses listening at the burning bush. It was Joshua listening and God directing. It was David listening and God whispering the sweet songs of Israel into his ears. It was Elijah listening when God decided the revival for Israel on Mount Carmel. It was the boy listening when God spoke to Samuel and told him what he should do. And Ezekiel listening when God said, stand upon my feet and I will speak to thee. You see, listening is a lost art. In a conference like this, much of it is listening. Just a little bit is preaching. Just a few engage in that. But for most of us, it's a sitting in the pew and listening and receiving something from the Word of God. It's imperative that we listen. And we carry something with us from this conference. Out to our homes, into our churches, into our Sunday school, in every place that we listen. I begin thinking, my conversion came because I listened. I came out of a home in Louisville where we never read the Bible, never attended church at all. One Sunday morning, a young man came by named Claude Martin and said, I want you to go to Sunday school. I said, never have gone. Don't know anything about it. He said, it won't hurt you. I got in the car with him, dressed in old farm clothes. We drove up to the, on the barge stand of the Cedar Creek Baptist Church and went inside, back in the classroom. And the teacher walked in, Mrs. Daisy Halls. And she had in her hand a Bible just about the size of this one. And she walked before the class and said this. She said, before I teach a lesson, they ask you, how many of you boys are saved? And some raised their hands. I couldn't raise mine. And she looked at me and directed the words to me and told me how to be saved. And I laughed at her. When the class was over, Claude Martin said, what do we do? I said, we go home. Went back home. I said, I'll never go again. Don't like it. Don't like, didn't like the lady. Didn't like what she said. I didn't like the way she said it. I'm not going back. Next Sunday came along again. He said, let's go to Sunday school. I said, no, I went and tried it one time. Didn't like what you said, the way she did it. I'm not going. He said, come on, don't hurt you. I just tried again. So got in his car and went up for the second time. And the teacher walked in the same way, exactly, and with a Bible in hand. She said, how are you boys are saved? Some raised their hands and couldn't raise mine. She told me how to be saved the second time. I didn't laugh as loud as the first time as it did the first, uh, the second time I did the first time. She gave the gospel. I heard it for the second time. I finished the class and walked out. I said, never again. That's the end of it all. And my friend, I was wrong. You see, that week, God spoke to my heart and convicted me. Made me see my lost condition. And alone, upon my knees, in a little four-room house at the edge of Louisville, Kentucky, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I was saved. There wasn't a doubt about it. Next Sunday morning, when the boy came by to pick me up, hoping that he could, I came running out the front door, had on double breast of suit, had one on ever since. I'm not joking. 
I sat down beside him. He didn't say a word. I didn't know what to say to him. Didn't know anything about it. Got up to the class and walked inside. Teacher came in, said, how many boys are saved? I put up my hand. I did what the rest of them did, and she looked at me and smiled. She gave the gospel again the same way. You want me to give you a little lesson tonight, Sunday school teachers? If you want to be good teachers, repeat. Repeat. He that hath ears here, let him hear. Let him hear. Keep on saying it over and over again. The message of Jesus Christ. He that hath ears to hear. Listen, listen. Chief in his teaching, I, and the young man said, what do we do now? I said, we go to church. Isn't that a strange thing? The second I got saved, I know I should go to church. There's something wrong with a fellow that goes to Sunday school, goes home after Sunday school. You haven't worshipped God one single second when you do that. You need to be in the house of God. And I said, go to church. Walked in the church, sat way back in the back with the rest of the high school kids. And the preacher preached J.N. Benford, a great man of God. Preached out of a five-cent notebook, always used every page front and back. Took an hour and a half. And he finished it all. And he said, if anyone here today is saved and would like to testify to this fact, would you come forward? And I got up out of my place walked out. I'd never seen an invitation in my life. Never once. That's the first invitation I've ever known. I walked down to the front. I said, I've been saved. He said, sit here, please. I want to talk to you. And I knew he doubted it. He could see that I didn't know a thing. I didn't have a Bible in my hand. Didn't know what it was all about. And he sat there and took his Bible. He said, I want to talk to you a while. I said, sir, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I know I have. The teacher told me how to be saved, and I've accepted him. And he dealt with it and prayed with me. Then he stood up. And when he stood up, Right at the back of him stood two people, my mother and father. And they said to him, said, Brother Benford, we'd like to be saved too. I didn't know they were there. Listen, we had never gone to church together, never gone to Sunday school together. Not a time in our lives. They had never taken me once, not even once. And on that day, they were saved. Two weeks after, they were baptized in the Deer Park Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. Listen, my dad's still living 91 years of age. Mother's gone on. Still testifying to his salvation. Oh, the greatness. Listen, my friend. That's for listening. And tonight, if you're here in this service without the Savior, then listen to it. Jesus died for you. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And He'll save you by simple faith when you put your faith and trust in Him. Listening, listening. I was called of God to preach. My dear friend, I knew nothing. I came out of a country church where that didn't happen very often. And when I sat there one Sunday morning, I had in a, a preacher to come to speak in the pastor's place, a dignified fellow, had on a long frock tail coat, never seen that before in my life. And a wing collar, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And we sat and laughed at him. And back in the back where the boys sat, uh, I said, man, nothing to hear out of that man. He couldn't say anything. I got real low, and I said, here's where I take a nap. Hadn't been over three or four minutes until I straightened up. This man said something about the fact that God may be calling some of you this day into full-time service. And he preached in a very precise way with his hands right in front of him. And never raised his voice very much. And spoke quietly. But when he spoke, I said, that's it. God wants me. I know he does. I walked down the aisle at the end of the service. I stood there and said, God's called me to preach. Pastor dealt with me again. And the young men came and stood around me. Eight others came. There were nine that day. Nine of us lined up there. All nine said we didn't call to preach. I don't know about the others, but I knew about myself. I knew God had called me. And I did do what God said. By my side stood a young fellow named Emmons. When he passed his 30th birthday, he took a 22 rifle and killed himself. On the other side of me stood a boy named Russell. The last time I heard was occupying a cell in the federal penitentiary, Atlanta, Georgia. 
Every single one failed. Their lives failed all the way through. I don't know whether they were called or not. I know God called me. I knew that He called, and I said, Lord, this is it, and I shall do the thing that you have called me to do. Maybe God's calling someone here tonight. You better respond and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's listening. You see, there's a time for listening. This conference may be the time for you to listen. Salvation for some of you. The call of God for some of you. Full-time service to be a missionary, to be a pastor, to be anything that God says. Just after I got saved, I mean, just after I was called, I went to Louisville, heard a man speak. His name was Dr. Finley Gibson. Dignified preacher of the, the old Third and St. Catherine Church, Wall Street. And I said in the audience, listen, you know what he preached on? Christ liveth in me. And I sat on the balcony, up on the steps. And when he finished his sermon, I was so excited I could not contain myself. I walked outside down the street and just talking and shouting and rejoicing. Christ liveth in me. It never had occurred to me before. Did you know that sometimes there are things that have to hit you? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And Christ is living in you. Christ is there to live and direct your life. That was a great moment for me. It came by listening. Listening to the Word of God. I listened again. There's a time when I felt so defeated. So completely, utterly, miserably defeated. I'd heard a few people mention the fullness of the Spirit. I'd heard maybe some sermons on Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. But I never responded to any one of them. I thought that's for somebody else, not for me. But I was wrong. There came the hour when I knew that I must have what God said when He said, Be filled with the Spirit. And I must know what it means. And I must rest upon this fact that His power is within me and when the Spirit of God takes over, that He empowers me for the service that He wants me to render. That was followed by another great message from my heart, dying to self. Dying to self. And let me ask you tonight, while you're here in this conference, enjoying every single bit of it, rejoicing in the preaching, the teaching, the singing, and it's wonderful. Do you know what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God? Have you come to that place of complete surrender? You know the meaning of dying to self, dying to your own desires, dying to your ambitions, dying to the criticisms of the world, dying to the compliments, dying to all of it. Do you know that? He wants you to. You see, there's a time for listening. That's what I'm saying. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It's imperative that we hear. Listen to his word. This mighty word of God. This mighty, eternal word of God. Listen to it. I was preaching up in Aurora, Illinois. Little brother came to me after the service said, Brother Robertson, let me tell you about my son. I said, yes, ma'am. She said he was about 25 years of age and lost, and I'd worried about him and prayed over him and witnessed to him again and again. But I couldn't help him. Then one night she said he came home in the car and had a wreck, an awful wreck. They put him in the hospital. I rushed to the hospital to see him. When I got there, I said again to him, almost unconscious, said, son, you need Jesus, you need to be saved. I said, I did my best, but I failed. I couldn't get through to him. And I said, day by day, I did the same thing. Then one night, one day, she said, I went to the hospital. And he was sitting up in the bed and had a book in his hand. He said, Mom, listen to this. Here's something wonderful. Twenty-five years of age, been a wicked sinner far from God. 
And she said, I said, son, what is it? He said, listen to this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He said, mama, did you ever hear a thing like that? Why? She said, son, yes. Said, I've said that many times. Said, no, I've never heard it before. And he hadn't. He hadn't heard it before. He had gone through his ears, but had never stopped at all, never registered with him at all. And he said, I have just now accepted Jesus as my Savior. And he said, I've heard the Word of God. I know that he loved me and died for me on the cross. Then the mother bowed her head. Little church in Aurora, Illinois. Tears were falling. And she said, Brother Robertson, three days after that, my boy died. But you said he's in heaven. You see, my friend, I'm emphasizing in this first point of my message the matter of, of listening. There's a time for listening. Oh, listen, my friend. This day when people do not listen, they turn away. They refuse to hear. But God wants you to listen. But let's take the second thought. There must be a time for obeying. Not just listening, but obeying. The Word of God says to obey is better than sacrifice. Jesus said, you're my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. If you do, obey. Obey. I meet the new members of our church every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Those who joined the last Sunday, there were many of them. Many were baptized. Many others came by letter. But I meet all of them tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in the church, in, the, in the, one of the special rooms. I talk to them the same way every time. I talk about attending the service of the church. I tell them, if you want your life to be successful, attend Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday night. Be here. I pay no attention to the fact that many do not do it, that they have heard maybe something else, but I said you're to be here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and emphasize church attendance. May I say that some preachers have missed this. They're afraid. They miss emphasizing Sunday night. I have so many preachers tell me, I have a great crowd Sunday morning, but, well, rather small Sunday night. But you haven't tried to have a big one Sunday night. And some say, well, pretty good on Sunday, but Wednesday night is a failure. You ought to come to Highland Park a little while. You'll see 3,000, 3,500 prayer meeting every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night. But wait a minute. The first thing is church center. The second thing they emphasize is read your Bible. Read your Bible every day. That's point number two. Say with the Word of God. Say with the Bible. Tell them where to start in the Word of God. And the chapters they in the book they ought to read first, perhaps, and then on from there. Number three, pray daily. Spend time in prayer and seek the face of God. Number four, win souls. Be concerned about others. Join in the visitation program of the church and invite people to be here. Numbers 5, give, be a tither, faithfully giving, Sunday after Sunday, faithfully. And I emphasize these five things. Now, the interesting part of it all is that in 49 years of preaching and 35 years in one church, and I've talked to literally thousands of people, I've never known one single person to fail who would do the five things I mentioned here. Not one. Not one, not one, not not a single one. In all this time, I've never known one to fail. You see, when they attend church every service, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, when they read the Bible and pray and try to win souls and give, just five simple things. Why do you say that's old-fashioned, that's so simple a child get hold of? Why, of course. But that's the very thing they refuse to do. And if you want your life to be successful, then you've got to say this is it. And lay Christians... And, uh, and call preachers and ordain men and whatever you may be. This matter of obeying, obeying what God says. Obey the call of God. Obey the voice of God. First listen. Then when you listen, obey and do the thing that God says. I was preaching up in Greensboro, North Carolina. 
At the end of the service, a man came to me and said, well, you preachers all the same. I said, yes, sir. He said, yeah, you're all after money. I said, I guess you're right. I want to see what he's going to say. He said, you're all after money. He said, I've been called to preach. I was called 15 years ago. But he said, I've never preached yet. But he said, I'm going to. He said, when I come to my retirement, I'm retired from my business, my job. I'll have an income, a retired man. And when I have an income, I'm going to preach for nothing. I'm not going to preach like you fellows for money. He said, I'm going to preach for nothing. I said, God bless your soul. I doubt if you'll have any place to preach. I doubt also if God even wants you to preach for him. You see, my dear friend, this imperative thing of answering and obeying the call of God and doing what God says. But speaking to someone here tonight who may feel called to the mission field, and you say, I'd like to go to the mission field, but somehow I don't know. Something holds me. I'm not going. I'm not doing it. Uh, maybe it's some matter of family. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's something else. But the mission field. Let me remind you of something. A little lady came forward one Sunday in our church and sat on the front row, went down and talked to her. And she said, Brother Robertson, 39 years ago, God called me to be a missionary. I refused the call instead. I stayed home and had a family. I had a nice husband and nice children, and I took care of all of them and never went. But here's the next thing she said. She said, Brother Robertson, in 39 years, I have never prayed one single time without God pointing back to me and saying, you didn't obey me. And she said, my prayers have never gone higher than my head because I disobeyed my Lord and disobedience is a sin. And she said, I have failed my God. Now, wait a minute. There must be a time for obeying. Obey Him. Obey Him. Obey Him. Do exactly what He says. He will direct you. See, God has a will for your life. He's ordained things that He wants you to do, Christian friend. Now you listen. Listen to what He has to say. Then obey the voice of God. Amazing things happen. This is an exciting world. I regret just one thing that I'm coming toward the end of my way. I'm, I'm ready for the coming of the Lord any time, but if He tarries, well, I haven't got much, much, much longer to go at it. But this is an amazing world. When you listen to God and say, Oh God, I want your will to be done. We operate 76 chapels in and around our city. 76 preaching places in Chattanooga around the city. God led me into that. We operate Tennessee Temple Schools. This year, 4,600 students from 50 states and 29 foreign countries by faith. We began in 1946. On a Wednesday night in 1946, had a tent meeting going on. I'd been praying for months and months about the matter. I felt God wanted me to start a school. I didn't know why. Didn't know a thing about it. I'd finished University of Louisville years ago. Major in history. I'd gone to the Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. I had McGreek and the famous A.T. Robertson and the outstanding scholars, uh, W.O. Carver, uh, John Savvy and others. I'd sat it all and I said, well, this is not for me. I don't care about the school business. And on Wednesday night, July 3rd, when the service over, I stood up and said, God has impressed me to start a school. The name of it will be Tennessee Temple Schools. It'll operate entirely by faith. We'll trust God. And I went on named it all. I said, is there a motion? We start the school. And one poor fellow didn't know any better. He said, I'll make a motion. Another fellow knew still less. He said, I'll second the motion. I said, all the paper, raise your hands. They raised their hands. That was in July. We began in, in September with 109 students. 109 students the first year. This year, last year was more than 4,600. This year will be beyond that. But I'm trying to show something. And entirely by faith, we have no guaranteed funds. God supplies every single nickel, every bit of it. The first money we had came from missionary. 
If you get to our school someday, you'll see it right in the hallway now of the temple building. Her name is Verna Pullen. Verna Pullen came from Athens, Tennessee, 65 miles away. Her father died. She was an Africa missionary. And when her father died, he left in the will a thousand dollars. And the thousand dollars went to Africa to the girl, to the missionary. And she said, I don't need a thousand dollars. Imagine that. I don't need a thousand dollars. So she sent it back to me. Said, I heard you starting a school. I want to send you a little money to start with. A little money didn't have any. I never even owned a bank account. I didn't have a bank account. I took the one thousand dollars to the bank and, uh, and I said, I want to open up a bank account. And the name of a Tennessee Temple School. The bankers didn't know what that was all about. They never had heard it either. But I said, open up. That was the first thousand dollars. And God has supplied, multiplied millions of dollars in all these days. A year after year in the same way. Every bit of it by faith simply. But you've got to obey Him. Obey Him. He will direct you. Camp Joy. People ask questions. I try to answer them. Our baby died named Joy. Two months old. Nine weeks old. When the baby died, it broke our hearts. We thought we'd never smile again. But all of a sudden, God said, wait a minute. I've got something I want you to do. And with the death of your baby, Joy, I want you to start a camp for children, ages 9 to 14. And he has told me just how the things he operated. And I said, don't have any land. Don't have anything. He said, you'll have it all. I waited on God until the TVA put up 100 acres of land, Tennessee Valley Authority, at auction in downtown Chattanooga. I said, I'll go. Maybe I can buy it. Didn't have any money. Trusting God. I walked in 1946. I walked in the big room and the fellow got up and read the paper. He said, these are the dimensions of the, of the acreage at, at Lake Chickamauga. And he gave it all. He said, now the Lord's bid we can take is $3,000. He said, it's worth much, much more than that, but we'll start the bidding at 3000 And as soon as he finished, I stood up and said, I bid 3000 Would you listen to me? There wasn't a single bid made. I made the only one. I walked out of the room and I signed the paper, said you had to pay the whole bill in three weeks' time. I gave him, I looked in my pocket, I had 42 cents. I said, this and I'll make it. And I signed the paper for the thing and paid for it less than three weeks' time. This year, more than 3,000 boys and girls go to the camp and hundreds will be saved. Hundreds will be saved. We refuse no one. The wild is the meanest. We take knives and guns out of their pockets. We take vulgar magazines from their pockets when they come to us. We do it on purpose. We want them. We want to get them saved. You see, my friend, you've got to obey Him. Obey Him. Obey Him in witnessing. Obey Him in witnessing the thing that God says. Obey Him. Simply obey. Ye shall be witnesses unto me and give your obedience to the blessed Lord. And there must be a time for obedience as there is for listening on our part that we might do what God says. I held a meeting in Springfield, Tennessee in a little mission church on the side of the hill. And they will forget the occasion. Poor building. Crowds were good, but the building was small. And a little lady was there, and I watched her. Little lady, dignified. Never said much quiet. Walked around the building. I saw people get saved every night. I finished the meeting and rejoiced in the Lord that many had been saved. I went on back to my church, and a few days had a phone call. And they said, did you know Miss A. By Burr has just died? A lady in the mission down in Springfield said, oh, yes, she left the first Baptist church, went to the mission. She wanted to win souls. And said, she's gone now, and the family asked me to call you and ask you if you'd have a part in the funeral service. Well, I said, yes, I will. They gave the time. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I went to first Baptist in Springfield. The pastor named W.R. Pettigrew. I got up on the platform, and he was there. And the audience came, and the, and the body of the deceased there before us, Miss A. By Burr. Who worked in the mission down the side of town. I got up, read the scripture and prayed and I sat down. And W.R. Pettigrew got up and he said, I want to give the message in just a moment. Before I give the message, I'd like to ask the lady seated here to stand, please.
And when he said that, a group of women stood up. He said, these women are here today because they were led to Jesus Christ by Miss A. By Burr. And when he said that, I began counting. You know how many stood? There were 52 women standing. 52 women standing. Oh, he said she led many more, but 52 of them got together and came to this funeral service. And say she, she led us to the Lord. Did you know, my friend, I'd be happy to walk inside of heaven's gates and have 52 folks standing and say you led me to the Lord. And have a definite evidence that I had a part in their salvation. I trust it will be more. But if I can know that I had that many. Now what am I saying? Obey, obey the Lord. The call of God, the preaching, the missionary work, the singing. Whatever it may be, you do what God says. Now the third thing. There must be a time for reporting. First, a time for listening. Second, a time for obeying. And third, a time for reporting. This is imperative. So that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I shall not rehash the things that have been said so beautifully and ably by Dr. Van Impey. But there must be a time for reporting. And my friend, as he said already, there will be a time. There's a time that you've got to face when you stand before him giving account. You may have never made a speech down here, but you make one up there. You'll give an account of yourself and what you've done, what you haven't done. There will be a time of accounting. If any man's work abide which he hath built there upon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is the fire. The time of accounting. We've got to stand at the judgment seat. The foundation of what we do is in Jesus. He's the foundation. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. The sure foundation. We build on him. Watch how you build. Watch how you build. We're finishing up in a few days of building a Tennessee temple costing $2,100,000. It's supposed to be finished by September 1. I watched them dig the foundation. I never saw such digging my life. It took months. They went way down the earth, down, down, down. They put in the concrete and steel and filled up that hole with all of the concrete and steel to make the thing strong, the foundation, and brought it up to the level of the ground. Now suppose I'd gone away for a few days in meetings, and I'd returned after four or five days and drove back in the city and round to the school and down to the side of the building. When I got there, what did I see? I saw a great big barn up there with one by twelve boards and strips on the cracks and a big tar paper roof on the top of it. And I'd call the contractor over and say, Sir, wait a minute. I saw you go down for months and months on the foundation, and you kept on digging and pouring concrete and steel, and now I get back, and you put up a little old building here, just a flimsy little board building like a barn, like a tobacco barn out in the field. And that's all it is. Well, that's not the way to do it. And he'd say, that's the way we do it. He said, we get the best foundation we can, then what we put on top doesn't mean anything. Do what you want to. But it does mean something. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, what you build upon that foundation is important. And as a child of God, you're the soul bill that is going to stand. The foundation, the testing time is sure to come. And the reporting time is coming when you stand before Him so that every one of us shall give an account of Himself to God. How have you labored? Have you labored lovingly? Someone said, love is the desire to give. Love is the desire to serve, too. I, I don't like to have to drive my people into things. I do a lot of it, I'm sure. I say after my folks, encourage them and press them on. But I'd rather folks would volunteer lovingly to serve God. Amen. When you get back to your church at home, volunteer your services for the Sunday school, for the preaching hours, for the choir, for the young people's meetings, for the prayer meeting Wednesday night, and be in your place and show that you've got something. Do your work lovingly. And again, we should do the work of God willingly. He said, if I do this thing willing, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. That's all a little time. But if I serve God willingly, willingly, there's a reward. Again, serve God unselfishly. 
Not looking for gain for yourself, not securing, not uh, trying to secure something for self, but serving God unselfishly, day by day. Again, serving God faithfully. Faithfully. In season, out of season. Will you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, does it apply to you? Moreover, it is required of the stewards that a man be found faithful. Are you found faithful? Faithful in the service of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing that I want you to get hold of. This is a needy world. Oh, how needy. How much we need something. And I'm not talking tonight about just tickling the ears and entertaining yourself for a while. I'm talking about getting what God wants you to have. There must be a time for listening. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Let Him speak to you in this meeting. There must be a time for obeying, to do what God says. Don't put it off, but right now do what God says. There will be a time someday for reporting. There must be. You've got to stand before. This book has to be fulfilled. And you've got to give a report of yourself, as we've heard already this evening, unto our blessed Lord. Have you done your best? God's calling. God's speaking tonight. Let God have his way with you. I read a beautiful story the other day. I think so much the work of missions. All of us should be missionary-minded. All of us. We support in our church 384 foreign missionaries now. We'd like to take on still more. We will take on still more. But I thought of this, this man. He said he was going to speak in a convention. Incidentally, it was in the city too. And he was going to speak, but he said, I'll not eat supper tonight. I'll go by and get a little, uh, get a glass of, of orange juice and then I'll go on to my meeting place. He went to the place to get the orange juice and he got a, a big glass of it ice cold and handed it to him and he paid for it and was starting to walk away and put it up to his lips to drink the orange juice. When he felt someone touch his sleeve, he looked down and saw a little withered, ragged lady, small, poor, maybe not too clean. But she looked up into his face and said, Sir, I'm thirsty too. I'm thirsty too. He said, Maybe I wouldn't have done a thing if she hadn't said two. But she brought herself in with my life and said, I'm thirsty too. That, my friends, is exactly what the whole wide world is crying tonight. Men are lost. They're dying. They need someone. They need the water of life. They need Christ. And they're thirsty. They may not always say it. They may rebel against what you say to them. But it's your job to give it to them. It's your task to lay it before them constantly. And that's the message God has given from our heart to yours tonight. Have you surrendered to Him? Are you listening to Him tonight? Listen to Him. He's speaking to you. Are you giving your obedience to him? He's calling for it. Have you kept in mind that one day you'll have to give an account of yourself, a reporting time? I trust you'll think. Let's bow in prayer. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knbbc.com for Christian music you can trust.